0: hey folks josh newton here host of north american deer talk welcome back to the show today we have a good longtime friend of mine mr dan jennings from new york how are you dan
1: i'm doing well thank so you
0: so what what's that
1: having me well, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, no, glad you could, glad you could join us. Um, it, from New York's not exactly accurate, is it? You're not really from New York.
1: No, I'm. I I live. I'm from Massachusetts, I live in Massachusetts still today. Um, but uh, we don't have deer farming in Mass, so we jump across the border and we 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 deer farm in in New York.
0: So you're um, without. Uh, telling everyone where you live uh you're in western west you live in western massachusetts but your your uh primary farm is just across the border in uh in new york right
1: yeah so i'm in western mass in the berkshire county area and uh and and it's 20 minutes across the border um gotcha. we're on the eastern side of albany uh the state capital
0: okay cool um so Dan and I have known each other for for a long time, and um, we uh, we met through Deer. If it wasn't for Deer, we we wouldn't have met each other and uh, grown a friendship over time. Um, it was kind of an interesting um, story on, on how we originally met and the things that we we did in the first couple of years of of knowing each other. Um, I, I I remember one uh, specific time where. It was uh, minus thirty degrees, and we were stuck on top of a mountain, and we were waiting out we were waiting out a, a storm um, by digging digging down behind some snowdrifts that were over top of fence rolls, a pile of fence rolls. Uh, yeah. we, <laughs> we were building a we were building a, a shelter in the in the snow to try to not freeze to death because it was uh, it was softly cold, but we had a we had a lot of good times on the on the mountain there. What were we doing?
1: Uh, we were fencing in uh hunting ranch. We were fencing in um, hunting ranch. Yep. Yeah. And uh and yeah, that was that was a brutal day. And then when we made it down there and we're like, hey, <laughs> I thought you guys were coming to get us, and uh they pretty much forgot about us up there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that um that was um that was an interesting there's a there's a piece of property that Kind of has some um, flat farm ground in the in the front, and then it just kind of goes up on this uh, steep face to the top of the mountain, and then down the other side. And we were we were basically fencing in the, the front side of the mountain and all the the field area and the woods. And um, it just it was a it was a project, right? There was a lot of uh, weather. Boy, there was a lot of weather that just like was Rock,
1: a lot of rock. Well,
0: I, I was getting to the rock. But there was a lot of weather that, that caused some issues. Uh, I remember sliding down the hill on ice in a skid steer with, uh, with a king hitter on the front a few times, you know, good fuel. yeah, gel, lots of gelled up fuel. Um, Cause it, it was, it was just cold all the time. And of course uh, I remember being dragged through a swamp to put, uh, put some poles in. You were in the dozer. I was in the I was in the were yeah. putting the poles in.
1: <laughs> no, you were you were you were riding the king hitter like you were standing like a yeah. king. Yeah. While <laughs> we were dragging you through the swamp like your feet were going in and out of the mud. While while we're putting poles in. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh we uh kind of had it all on that property, didn't we?
0: Yeah, there was there was little bits of uh um, all all sorts of terrain and and exposures to different elements and challenges uh, i think the rock was was the most interesting and i, I distinctly recall um putting putting uh, nine poles in in a 12-hour day yeah that's that's i'm just gonna get closer to the mic so everybody can hear me we put nine poles in the ground in a 12-hour day and like there was no break like it was constant banging uh, we we broke a piece of three and seven eighths inch uh steel that was our spike going into the rock and when I called when I called the company, I called King Hunter and told them I broke their their rock spike on their their machine. They said it it wasn't possible. And of course, there this was like pre cell phone picture taking kind of stuff. So um, yeah, we got it out and they sent a new one over. But uh, they didn't they didn't believe us that we we cracked the head off and we did. Um, but yeah, that was a an ignorant piece of <laughs> piece of ground over there and um it was a it was an accomplishment
1: we got it done though
0: yeah I was gonna say it was an accomplishment to to get it done uh and and glad we did because we ended up meeting that way and and uh I think we were both kind of in the early portions of starting our our dear careers um and uh you know we've we've kind of just grown grown um you know professionally and personally since then which is um something Uh, I want I want to discuss
1: 20 years ago right just yeah, about 20 years.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's been
1: a while. That was uh
0: you know, but at the
1: same time like you know, had I not worked with you on that, I wouldn't have been able to put up all my fence and and we had one, you know, we we had days where it was nine poles in one day, but we it's we had some better days too. So it wasn't all wasn't all bad, but and uh
0: when were those better days, Dan? Cuz I I hey man, day- I'm just trying I'm just trying
1: <laughs> <laughs> to Just trying to uh, just trying to, you know, I don't want to deter anybody from trying to put up fence.
0: (laughs) I remember I remember uh, additionally, there was a there was another day where I was in full Gore-Tex. You were in the yeah, you know, you know, you're laughing because, you know, I was in full Gore-Tex with a a Gore-Tex boonie hat on and it was it was freezing rain and we were out there all day. And the ice built up so much on well, it was your knees, right? Because you were in the you were in the skid steer driving, your knees yep. and legs and boots, and it was my shoulders and chest. It was so thick we had to like break open the, the the cover to get to the zipper to get the jacks off. We were like iced, like it was like well over a quarter inch. It was insane.
1: But, yeah, it, you're talking about the day behind the barn, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 right by the lodge. Yeah. It was just like yeah it was never ending anyway
1: when we when we pulled the machine inside the barn and covered it with tarps with heaters underneath it just yeah. to like get things Yeah, the was anyways it was yeah. it was a heck of a project
0: yeah that was a, that was an insane project and um i think i think today i would uh make some coffee and sit on a couch and not do it <laughs> Or there would be, yeah, that's probably an exaggeration, but there would be different ways to to tackle the tackle the project. But anyway, so a little bit of a fun fun story and history uh, from Dan and I. So, t- tell me a little bit about um, kind of your your experiences um, in deer farming. Give me a little background on you know kind of how you got started and your farm, and you know where you're where you're at today.
1: Yeah, so it, uh, I mean, obviously it. it it really started with, with you, you know, I mean, when I, when I first met you, I was just basically an equipment operator fresh out of high school. And, you know, I was, I was working on that project, you know, just clearing the the perimeter of the property uh, for the fence. And then, you know, you, you came in and that's how we met. And um, I think, I think we even lost a few of your guys on, on that job that quit. And it basically left you and me to finish it, which we did. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I, um, uh, you know, I worked, you know, in the hunting, in the hunting ranches and, and guiding hunts, um, kind of bounced around between a couple ranches. And I mean, I've, I've been fortunate to work on some really, really cool ranches, really beautiful properties and some great people. Um, and I've bought and sold deer and semen and different things throughout those years. And, you know, um, I mean, I've, I've raised some deer with you and uh, raised some deer at some other places. I mean, uh, you know, fresh out of high school, you don't really have any money, right? So you're like, I gotta be a deer farmer though. Like, you know, you brought me to my first top 30 sale. And, uh, you know, that was, that was a, an experience all in itself. I had no idea that that even existed. But as soon as we went there, I was like, yeah, in. You know, I, I held Thunder's antlers, you know, from Eddie Ray. And uh, I forget what that other picture was. I think it was from Gary and Jane Nelsons, you know. And uh, so, yeah, you're, you're in. I mean, I've been a deer hunter my whole life, and and uh, so I was I was addicted from day one. And then I heard about you and your uncle and your farm. So, long story short, I you know I've been involved. I've stayed involved. I've been in other businesses. I've worked other jobs, but I've always kind of had the deer on the side or wanted to be doing the deer and um so yeah it's uh I've worked for other people I've owned my own stuff I've sold stuff and then you know it was uh 2010 I think it was 2010 or 2011 um you know my brother kind of saw what I was doing with the deer and he was like yeah I'd really like to get involved somehow so I said you know let's uh let's start a deer, our own deer farm. You know, I've worked for other people this whole time and we'll, uh, we'll do our own thing. So we, we started Jennings Brothers Farms um, and, you know, it started with nine animals. Most, most of them came from you or were housed at your facility or, you know, and uh, yes, yeah, so now we've, we've grown over the years and um, just currently under 400 headed deer uh and at that one at the one main breeding farm and uh then uh we've got the hunting ranch uh, up further north uh battenkill um Hunt and fish club where we have uh four different species up there we've got whitetail elk fallow and seek deer um so i hope that answers yeah, your that's, question
0: oh yeah no that's that's awesome um I think, um, I think it's worth stressing the point that for, for both of us anyway, and I, I would imagine the, the overwhelming majority of people that, um, you know, raise whitetail privately or are part of our, our farm servant industry and, and ranching um, hunting and the, 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 you know, kind of a fascinating nature of the whitetail deer uh, got us to want to deer farm. Um, It did for me, you know, like I was uh, 16 or 17, I started bow hunting, you know, I killed my, my first deer with a bow and that, you know, passion of just like scouting and looking for deer all the time. And then being able to harvest one, um, you know, with a bow and then, you know, just a, a few kind of rifle hunts as I got older, um, really once I, once I discovered what deer farming was, it all clicked. Right. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I like I, I love deer and like I want to be around them and in all facets. And I it sounds to me like that that was the case for you because like you have a you had a a longstanding hunting background before you knew what deer was, right? Uh I mean I
1: yeah. I mean I I've always loved whitetail deer. Uh I love everything about them. I mean, I'm addicted to to whitetail um you know which you know i guess addicts me to other antlered animals too but uh um uh, yeah the whitetail is really the one that that is stuck with me um it's my favorite you know i love being surrounded by them it's kind of like when you're at the deer farm sometimes it's not your happy place but for the most part it is the the happy place you know and every you know it's, it's work, you know, but it's not, it's, it's, it's cool work. You know, you can have a stressful day. I mean, I work a full time job. You know, I have a stressful day and I go to the deer farm and feed the deer and, and uh, life's good. You know, I, I get to, I really enjoy being around them. Uh, that's why I breed deer. You know, I I love the deer. Um, and, and I like being around them. I like learning about them. And I love hunting them. I love eating them. I love everything about them. Yeah.
0: Um, so both of us are, are East coast guys. I'm from Pennsylvania and you're in mass slash New York. Um, you know, I, maybe because of my proximity to, to white tails and that's the only, um, that's the only deer species around here. Do you think if we lived out West, um, and we were surrounded with uh, mule deer and elk that we would have a different fascination for the white tail? I mean, no. you've done some, now. no.
1: No, I I, I don't. Uh, just because I think the whitetail are just super special, very majestic. You know, I mean, we've been elk hunting, I've no. been mule deer hunting. Uh, I love going out west. Um, I think the West is a is a is a great place. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I I think the whitetail is probably the the top for me. Yeah. You know, even if I, even if I lived out west, I think. You know whitetail would probably still be the top um but who knows i mean i love yeah I it's love, a hypothetical i love I out i mean I, I i i like them all um i mean i have you know even on my farm i you know i have some hybrids i've bred some mule deer in and are just a as a little pet project hmm. um but uh yeah you know just something about these big northeast giant body tails just that's <laughs> What's so, those
0: for me, yeah. So let's um, we'll dig into a little bit of uh, more, I guess, more specifics about your uh, about JB Farms and your kind of um, maybe some of the beginning days and where you are now with um, how you approach your breeding program and genetics. And you mentioned like big body uh, northeastern deer, and like of course that's a that's a thing that I I really like. Um, so how do you like when you were uh, maybe initially picking out some stock and, and, um, you know, you you got those first deer, I suspect much like most people, they were deer with pedigrees and like, you're trying to raise antlers and, you know, as you've, as you've matured over time, you know, has your thought process changed on how you breed deer and select and kind of run us through that process from, from start to start to finish
1: that's a that's a tough one
0: yeah i, I needed a drink so i figured you would talk <laughs> for a while <laughs> yeah so i mean when we first
1: got started you know obviously you know we went to the top 30 right and and you see deer for the first time like i like i said thunder's antlers i mean that's still today when i held thunder's antlers was kind of a kind of a big deal
0: so Let me jump in quick. So I'm going to, as the, as the cover photo for this show, uh, I'll show you guys a picture of Dan from 2005, uh, holding Thunder's antlers, young, young Dan, and uh, that'll be with hair. Yeah, (laughs) that'll be the, uh, that'll be the cover for for the show. Yeah. um, So
1: You know, when I first, when, when, when my brother and I first decided that we were going to, you know, start our own farm, you know, everything, you know, obviously I work for other people and they've influenced the decisions as far as breeding and what they're purchasing and buying and whatnot. But when we started our farm, you know, it was kind of more or less of what do we want? Right. And, and, you know, you and I have talked pedigrees and stuff throughout all these years, you know uh, we've been on a million road trips together and whatnot. And, so you know i really kind of picked things that i thought were familiar and that i liked what they produced um you know some of the older lines that was kind of a, uh, you know to me that was important to get some of the stuff that i believe wasn't uh that i liked the breeding of you know um and it was kind of more of a clean open open frame uh, thing, uh you know a little bit of older genetics i mean You know, um, my first set of does were of higher age, so to speak. Um, But then we kind of, you know, we're able to lay the groundwork for our own program. And, you know, um, I I started, you know, you remember when we bought uh, G Ranger, you know, G Ranger, I think, I I still think this is true, but I believe G Ranger was the first buck ever born out of a Maxpo Ranger doe. Um, It was down at Glenn Lambright's farm uh purchased it through michael weaver and uh max bull ranger was a big deal you know you and i you know talked about him a lot and um you know i couldn't afford you know some of the direct max bull rangers sons or, or daughters or whatever so this was this was the first buck that I was born it was a buck fawn uh, i was at one of the sales um and so you know i kind of it was uh, max bull getter done on top so dave mcquade's uh genetics and then it was a direct uh, Maxwell Ranger daughter on the bottom, and, and she was a fawn that bred. So I, I think it was. I mean, I, I've asked Glenn about it, and I and I've asked Michael about it, and and I'm pretty sure, and they're pretty sure too. But I, I don't really know. But I think it was the first buck ever born out of a Maxwell Ranger doe, and that was cool for me. That was that was kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that was you know one of the first bucks. And then, you know, Big Fuzz, which was bred by, you know, you, um, you know, I was down in Pennsylvania and looking at your deer and I saw that deer and we were able to make a deal. And, uh, so G Ranger and Big Fuzz were our two main herd sires for the first couple of years. Um, you know, I mean, I, I started out with three pens, you know, three small pens, um, just in a row, we weren't AI and, you know, we had a few does and those bucks so we used those bucks for two years and then um, we started to uh, introduce artificial insemination in our program. We we're able to build a facility um, and you know, build up enough dose so it was worthwhile to uh, have Rachel come up and, and do our work. And and even when we bred there, I've always liked the, the Northern genetics. I know a lot of folks are, are breeding with the Texas genetics or the Southern genetics, Florida, whatever you want to. Um, but to me, there's so many good bucks that i have seen over the years that i i like to i like to use you know i don't think i could ever run out so i've kind of stuck with the with the northern lines um i mean i i complain about it every fall when we're moving bucks and they're 300 pounds and breaking stretchers um but just something you know and i get to see the other side of things too i get to see when the hunters you know get down and and grab those antlers and and see the size of the body and, and, and whatnot. So I get to see that side too, which is, which is really cool. But yeah, I just, I just like the, I feel like we're up here in New York, we're up here in the Northern area. Um, and, uh, so we, we bred, um, you know, primarily, uh, Northern genetics, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, I've used a lot of stuff that again, familiar with and people that I like, you know what I mean? Obviously I, I get along with you. I spend money with you. I, uh, I, I've i spent money with, with Eddie Ray and spent money with, with the people that I, that I've, you know, we visited their farms. We've had a relationship with, um, or, you know, sometimes I've been at a sale and I'll see a deer and I'm just like, oh my God, someday I hope to have, you know, like Maxwell Ranger, for instance. Right. I, I could never afford Maxwell Ranger, but now I have two straws to use for this fall. So that's kind of a, a big deal for me. Um, <clears throat> being able to use some of the sires that I thought were only a dream years ago, or, you know, I, I get to use them now. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, now we're, we're AI in 40, 40 plus deer every year, and uh, starting to really see uh, some cool, you know, some good results, some cool results, uh, you know, get, get to see some of the offspring uh, on our farm that, that we've created. And, so, uh, and so. one, one other thing I'd add is since the initial deer purchase, we've been a hundred percent closed herd. So since but, the,
0: yeah, that's awesome. And I was going to, my question relates specifically to that. How do you go from a handful of animals to just shy of 400 in the decade?
1: Uh, a lot of work a lot of work yeah <laughs> yeah. Lot, yeah i mean, I mean we, you know we, we went from three pens you know and then we're like you know we, we need more space we need to set you know we need a place to put the box we need a place to put the dope on so then you know we did phase two which is like four new pens and then that expanded you know i think we're on phase five right now and uh and and we've been able to pay for it through you know buck sales you know we've like we sold a, we sold a group of bucks, you know, a few years ago, gave us a, you know, a good chunk of money and we're like, all right, you know, we're we're gonna, we're gonna fence this field then over here. And so we've, we've been able to grow, you know, grow as we've needed. And, you know, unfortunately we've sold some bucks that I wish we had kept, <laughs> sure. but uh, you know, uh, sometimes you gotta, you gotta, you know, sell some stuff to, to keep growing. Uh, I think that you know we've had really decent luck with our AI, and we've had really decent luck with our animal husbandry. Uh, so we've been able to you know keep our mortality at a low, um, and and have you know good consistent um, fawns hitting the ground. You know, so we're we're close to that two fawns per doe average, um, and then you know our our mortality rate is is you know it. it peaks and valleys but i'd say on average it's it's very very low um so you know out of you know i mean we had a uh, over 100 fawns you know hit the ground for the last couple of years here and you know we're still running um you know 85 95 fawns you know out of the, that we've raised up so um yeah i, I think it's i mean you, you have some mortality but it's it's been pretty good
0: i i you, you made some um, statements in there that I kind of want to touch on a little more um, I think the thing that stood out most to me is uh, your your capital management based on uh, your sales and and how you've you've used the animals to um, help build out your infrastructure and I think that's really key um, you you can you' you're, you're a perfect example of someone that had you know, relatively limited funds. You, you were you were pretty young when you kind of first started and you had to build out slow because fence and, and initial inventories are expensive. Um, and you were able to continue to kind of, as, as your, your animal numbers grew, you were able to slowly expand, use the proceeds from the sale to continue to, to build out your infrastructure. So I think that's a, a good example of a of, of kind of more tempered approach to to building out a farm, so that was nice. Um, can you touch on um, can you touch on the animal husband, uh, husbandry bit a little bit more? Because I, I think for for a lot of folks, and my initial question was, how do you go from a couple animals to, you know, just shy of four hundred in, in a decade? Um, I think for I think animal husbandry generally is um, overlooked by by some, but you, you can't really it shouldn't it shouldn't be right, and you you can't overstate how important it is for the fawns, um, when they hit the ground to stay alive, because that's your inventory. You want to, you want to talk about that a little more?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I I guess it's basically because if you don't take care of it, you have nothing, right. You you know, you gotta, sometimes, sometimes you gotta be forced into it sometimes, you know, and, and obviously it helps that, you know, you and I have been buddies and, you know, we talk a lot about it. Um, and you know, we've dealt with, with sicknesses and we've dealt with, you know, things coming through and, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if you just sit there and let them die and do nothing, then you're never going to grow. You're never going to get, you're never going to get there. So, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, and it's kind of heartbreaking, you know what I mean? Like you spend all this money, like for me, you know, like I've spent money I didn't have, right so you spend all this money and then you, you you got all these sick deer um you know it's it's just a waste so i think that's kind of why we why we focused on you know trying to make sure that our fawns you know make it to weaning we you know we try to keep our animal numbers you know per per acre a little bit low uh we've tried to you know implement a um, a protection instead of a um what am I trying to say here? Like, uh, we try to be preventative instead of try to, you know, deal with the problem. I'd rather not deal with the problems if we can do a couple steps ahead of time. And, you know, uh, we try to try really, really hard. I mean, now we have a lot of animals, so it's hard, but, you know, we were trying to, to put up fence so that we could, you know, rotate our pens around a little bit, give them some fresh growth, you know, keep the bacteria loads down uh, in the pens. Um, You know, keep them running through the facility, uh, keep, you know, make sure that our, our liming and, you know, we, we lime our pens and drag our pens and, you know, go through all that. The little stuff that you can do, I think is kind of paid off for us. Um, And then obviously, you know, we, we run the the vaccine program through our herd and um, just try to deal with things before they're a big problem. Uh, And so far it's worked, you know, it's the proof, the proof is there. And, you know, I mean, we still, everything on, yeah, everything. So our last year, our last doe are, that we bought died. So everything that's on our farm now is 100%, you know, produced and raised uh, on, our, on our property.
0: That's awesome. Um, and you've had some, you, you said the last doe, I, I, uh, I understand that you've had some does live a long time had some good longevity on some of those girls. Yeah,
1: what we, we had the oh God, when was she born? Was not she was not 24? She was born in 99?
0: uh she's a, she's an 02.
1: So she's an 02, so uh she would have been
0: 18
1: 18 years old, yeah. And her daughter, her daughter was the one that we lost last year. Mm. Yeah, she um Yeah, no, we, I mean, a lot of nine, 10, 12, 13 year old does, you know, that's those, that was the foundation of our program, you know, some old school stuff.
0: Do you, and obviously you're still running lots of daughters, granddaughters, and and so on out of those. Like they're still the core of your your program. Most of your does probably trace back to them, I would imagine.
1: Well, we only had a couple, so everything came from them. They, pretty much everything
0: (laughs) you know i mean you know
1: not i mean there was uh yeah i mean i i still you know my my white tags and red tags are still are still my main girls and they're my big fuzz and g ranger daughters um out of those original does oh that's cool um
0: and and so those what are those girls now those are all they're coming nine nine ten years old right yeah yeah Yeah. nice so when you when you um what makes you keep them? What makes you keep those older does? Um, now, first of all, I know you have the space to do it. So for some, that's not an option, right? Like there has to be rotation, but like, what do you, what do you see in those does that just, you're like, I'm, I'm not selling them. Right.
1: Um, what do I see in them? Uh, I just, I think they're good girls. I, I like the way that they look. I like their confirmation. Um, they're easy to handle, uh, they're breeding well, they're still producing, you know, I'm still getting an average, you know, I mean, some of those girls are throwing me triplets every year, uh-huh. you know, and, and it's, it's, it's hard to get rid of, uh, to get rid of something that's proven and that works. I've seen a lot of sons grown out of them. I've seen grandsons grown out of them. Um, and it's still the, the core of our, of our foundation. Um, so, you know, we're able to AI, you know, certain bucks, that we're making, we're trying to make breedings for their offspring, if that makes sense, right? Uh-huh. So, for instance, you know, I've got a, uh, a Glendice Romeo daughter out of one of those does. So, I'm trying to get something that I think would breed well back to, to that daughter um, out of the same line.
0: Gotcha. Um, so, you said you had AI uh, like 40. Forty girls this past year, and I think the previous year anyway. Um, how, how does your how does your AI program um, play a part in your farm and how it kind of operates towards like a genetic a genetic goal or a genetic end? Um, why not just live breed everything, or why not AI all of them? Or can you kind of look look through a, a lens at that for us? Um, I like AI, and just because it allows me to bring
1: new blood in allows me to see what what our girls can produce with different genetics on top of them um gives us the diversity so that if you know so everything's not kind of the same
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and uh i mean yeah it, it's it is a you know it it, it does have a cost um but uh, there's just some bucks i really want to breed to so i want to i want to see what they can do um not, not saying that I don't have, I mean, we, we obviously use our bucks to breed with, but, uh, you know, it's, I, I still have, I still want to breed does to thunder. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know? uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a fun part right now. I'm not, maybe it's not the best decision or the best practice. I don't really know. Um, but for me, that's part of the enjoyment. Right? Uh, I enjoy seeing what these girls can do with different genetics. I enjoy breeding with bucks that are on my buddy's farms. Um, I enjoy bringing these genetics to our farm and being able to have them in New York. Um, you know, I mean, we are closed, closed border state. So it's kind of my only way to bring some of these genetics in. Right. Um, and I also think it's important to uh, buy semen from other farmers. Uh, I think that it's helped me with some business relationships. It's helped me in the business. It's helped, you know, our farm as a whole, you know, people spend money with us. We spend money with them, et cetera, et cetera. So um, as far as genetic gains, you know, there's, there's some bucks that, you know, I'm trying to get Uh, there's, there's some does that I'm, that I'm trying to get. Um, But I'd say in the business side uh, or no, it's, it's personal enjoyment. I like, I like breeding with these
0: deer. Gotcha. Um, so the the breeding program that you operate is um, is really a, a basis for uh, your hunting operation that you've you've mentioned. So I'd like to I'd like to shift gears into into a different type of conversation, but I'd like to lead in there with um, the the tie from JB Farms. And your your breeding operation into, um, you know, your your hunting operation, and how those two are are kind of married a little bit, and the importance of um, the you know the the genetics that you are that you are creating, and how that plays to the long term conservation of uh, the Battenkill Farm.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, we all love hunting, and you know, being able to have a hunting preserve uh, is is awesome and it allows us to you know to be able to to have the um, the resources to bring our bring our deer uh, and our genetics up there and you know it's for me it's kind of having the control on the property for the genetics that you like you know what you what you cull out of your herd it gives us a good place to cull. you know sometimes you need to cull stuff in your breeding program so it gives gives us that that avenue where we can we can cull our animals and, and it also allows us to bring our farm and our genetics into a bigger scale, where you know there is some interbreeding and some different stuff. So having the deer that we like, you know, out there, you know, these big northern, big wide open frame um, bucks. Um, and then the other thing too is is the supply. Being able to supply the hunting ranch is, is a big deal, because um, if you don't have the animals. Then you can't bring in the customers. And um, I don't I don't want to be in a position where I, you know, book hunts and I I don't have the animals for the for the hunt. So um, I don't know if that's the answer that you're looking for.
0: Yeah. So so the 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 property uh, that you manage there is is how big? It's a pretty good sized property, I think, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, everything together uh, is just under 1,300 acres now.
0: Gotcha. So you got a, we'll call it a playground. You got a big, big playground there. Um, so the, and, and maybe I, maybe I uh, characterize it a, a touch different than you, but maybe, maybe this is how you, you think about it as well. Um, when you're, when you're managing the existing herd, which you, you have on, on the bat and kill property, Um, you're, you know, you're selective in the animals that you're, you're trying to harvest out of there. And when you're assessing those, and and when I say assessing, when you're looking at your, your hunter harvest, your numbers, sizes, configurations of animal, uh, antlers, um, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to supplement those genetics with your, your, your breeding farm um, to incorporate and, and number one, bolster the numbers, but also make the genetics better within your, your, your natural ranch. Is that, is that a good characterization of that?
1: Hundreds want bigger deer every year, right? Yeah. So we're, you know, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to add, you know, genetics into those ranches and keep those genetics. Right. So um, when I say we cull, you know, obviously we're trying to cull some of the animals that are the traits that we don't desire and keep around some of those, you know, some of those other bucks that we do desire. um, And, you know, in hopes, you know, we can harvest them in the late season or, or things of that nature. But, you know, I'd say the common goal is to, is to keep improving is basically do what we're doing in the deer farm setting, just on a larger scale, Mm. you know, trying to, trying to take out our, our uh, qualities we don't like and, and keep around more of the qualities we do like um, in, in the hunting area as well.
0: So the reason, I guess the main reason that you have um you have the deer farm is because you have you have that control. So you're able to to look at um uh the genetics of the animals in, in all aspects, you know, physically reproductive, the whole works, and, and you can make those selections in a controlled environment um, that are probably a little bit harder than in the, the bigger area. So I think I think you I I think what you said was interesting. You know, your the 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 hunting operation is is an expanded or an extension of the, of the deer farm. Um, And they, they, they are really paired nicely. Um, And the more I, the more I think about those, um, it's really a nice, it's a nice pairing, right? It's a nice match. Um, They complement each other really well. Um, And I think that's, I think that's lost on, on some people, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot, I don't, I guess I shouldn't characterize people like that but I think um, there there are some folks that look at a, a deer farm and they have a, a preconceived notion of an animal in a cage right and it's it's this certain thing um, but that's that's not what you've described you've described something very different to me where you have a seed stock if you will um, to to ultimately better this this hunting operation um, so with with that said um, what, what is it that you, um, how do you take your hunter's enjoyment of the, the property and the experience and the deer and how does that feedback uh, then make, uh, help make management decisions on that farm or, or doesn't it or how, what does that look like? What, well, I, don't I, run a, it, I, I don't run a hunting ranch, right? So like I don't have that interaction. Well,
1: it, it gives you kind of what the hunters are looking at, you know, it, it, some, some of your hunters are coming in and they're like, I want, I want the width, you know, I want to, I want to see more width, or, you know, you can pick up on little comments like, wow, you know, I, I really, I, I like how, you know, I, I see a couple deer here with drop times or like, man, I've never seen deer with this much mass on them. You know, you, you, you pick up on those little comments and you kind of, it kind of sits in the back of your mind and, and, and you think about it. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned this because I had one client, Davey, And he came in, he's like, man, he's like this, you know, he shot a nice deer. And he said, this deer, if it just had a little bit more mass, you know, would have been what I dream about. And for some reason that stuck with me. And I went back and I was like, make that happen. Right. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, I, I added a little bit more mass to the, uh, to the breeding. I'll let you know in a few years if it worked. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so you get to, you get to see, you know, with the hunting, with the hunting preserve, it does, the hunting ranch, it it allows us to kind of see what the customers are looking for. It gives us an opportunity to to see like, you know, you hear, I want a gnarly non-typical, you know, or uh, I just want a big traditional, you know, majestic white tail. I, I, I want, you know, kickers and stickers are cool. Drop time, you know, you hear all that stuff. So uh, it allows you, and, and at the end of the day, you know, we're paying the bill, right? So we're breeding deer that we like, you know? And I'm not saying that I only breed, breed deer for what the hunters are liking, but you know, I, we breed deer, me and my brother, based on what we like, uh, what we're trying to do, um, because there are deer, and our hopes is that what we're producing, other people like, and, and I think we're doing a good job because they're, they're heading to the hunting ranch, they're heading to other farms, and, uh, and everybody seems pretty happy. You know, I'm not saying everything's perfect. You know, we've, we've had a couple uh, unplanned uh, looking deer, so to speak, like, oh, that didn't work. Wow. Um, but you know what? Uh, it works for somebody else. So it's it, it's been really good.
0: Um, uh, I'm going to dig at our southern uh, counterparts just once. You've never had a hunter say to you, Oh man, I wish that was a smaller body deer. Have you? <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. They love them.
0: They love them big bodies, don't they? They can't oh, yeah. can't get over how how big they are when they walk up on them. Oh my goodness! Look at the size of this deer. Every one of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially when they when they lay hands on them for the first time, you know, and and uh,
0: no ground shrinkage. There's no ground.
1: No, 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 and also like when you're loading them up in the buggy to take them back yeah. to the lodge, you're like, "Hey, grab that leg real quick," you know, and they're just—that's like, probably the oh. only time they say, "I don't
0: want to pick
1: pick it up," right? They're they're no, and and uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, it, I don't even know where it was. I'm not saying it's a, a, a dig at their southern counterparts or whatever, but I saw on some TV show this guy just like grabbed the deer by the front and rear legs and by himself just woof right in the back of the buggy, and I'm like. Yeah, I'd like to see that guy do that with our deer. <laughs> yeah.
0: And 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 so just just to be clear, because we we are having some fun, um, I am acutely aware of why, uh, generally speaking, that when you travel south in the United States, the white-tailed deer gets smaller. It's called Bergman's rule, and guess what? We have small deer here in Pennsylvania cont- compared to those in saskatchewan and alberta and up in the upper midwest so I'm, I'm i'm well aware i um i always i always uh just think it's it's humorous that um i can i can pick on those guys about about uh something like that so anyway no, um, and,
1: and and we've all seen some giant bodied deer down down south as well oh, yeah. you know it's it's it is it, it is just an in fun you know sure. hopefully somebody watching this uh get a kick out of it
0: yeah <laughs> I'll probably hear about it. I uh, I plan to head down, I plan to head down south here in a couple of weeks, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably get called a Yankee for the like tenth year in a row now. But that's that's fine too. Um, so as far as um, as far you mentioned some other species, and I I, I, I like to touch on those quick. Um, uh, you mentioned elk, uh, fallow, and uh, seekers. You want to talk about those a little bit because that's not my that's not my specialty area. So I'm always interested. Well,
1: um, the hunting ranch uh, was owned by a previous person, and they had the the fallow and sika and they had a really nice herd going um, This is on a separate you know just so people are aware this the the fallow and seeker are on a a separate ranch um, they're in their own their own ranch um, it's about uh, 350 acres and so they're so the white tail and the fallow and seeker are, are not all mixed together. Mm. The elk are not in with the fallow. The fallow and the seeker are are are, um, are by themselves. Um, it's been you know relatively close herd and it came with the property. So we've kind of kept it going. Um, I think they're cool. Um, it's a nice addition. It, it doesn't sell nowhere near as much as the white tails do, um, but you know some some guys. Uh, do an add-on, you know, they come for a big white tail, and they see a fallow and, and they want one or they bring their son or daughter with them and, you know, they shoot a fallow or a sika, and, and they're cool animals and they're very tasty. Um, I mean, I think fallow is, is absolutely delicious. I love it. So, it, and it gives us a little bit of variety. Um, the elk, I have always been um, intrigued by the elk. I think the elk is very, it's a very cool species. Um, I love hunting them. I love their vocalization. Uh, I love how big they are. Uh, I love the antlers. I mean, I don't love them as much as I do whitetails, but it's a it's you know, close second place. Um, so, um, you know, when we got to hunting ranch, you know, elk was, was kind of a big deal. Finding elk in New York state is definitely tough. Um, and then finding you know good quality genetic elk uh, is really tough. We were fortunate enough uh, to come across a deal, and um, and we, you know we pretty much bought the whole herd. Um, good quality genetics, uh, a good uh, herd of cows, uh, a good group of young stock, and uh, and a couple uh, good quality uh, breeder bulls. So, and that's kind of just getting started over the last couple of years and hopefully we can grow the uh, elk farm more um, and uh, see where that goes. I mean, I don't I don't foresee having 400 head of elk running around, but uh, I never thought we'd have 400 head of white tail running around. Yeah, right. I mean, I'd say with, with everything combined with, you know, with the fallow and the seca and everything, I mean... You know, you start adding fawns and different things. I mean, we we might be getting up to that thousand head number. Gotcha. Uh, maybe not. No, eh, maybe eight hundred. Yeah. But still quite a lot of animals.
0: Yeah, no doubt. It's it's certainly a, a project to manage. And, and I suspect there's some nuances between the the species that are that are different as far as feeding habits and handling and such like that. So it gives you a kind of well, well-rounded approach to to servid. Um you had mentioned uh whitetail muley crosses um on your on your farm, and i if we can 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 I hop back over there and I'm just curious what your experiences have been with with that
1: um well, I mean obviously there was there was you know a, a slight uptick in, in the muley demand, and then I went out west hunting mule deer and thought they were really cool and was like, hey." Let's, let's give it a shot. I mean, we, we did, we did four, four does, three or four does, just kind of as a little side project, just, you know, yeah, four white tail does, um, bred them, bred them all to hundred percent mule deer. Okay. Got the, uh, got the 50, 50 hybrid cross. Yep. Uh, then we, you know, waited a year. We let those, you know, um, we didn't lose. Oh, sorry. We lost one. We lost one fawn out of that group we still have we still today have everyone since and so we waited till they were uh, a year and a half old to to breed them we took the fifty fifties and and bred them to a hundred percent mule again to try to make 75 25 cross and we got one we didn't have very good luck with it um, and then the one that we did have she died i see so that was kind of like oh man bummer Um, and then the following year, um, we had a death in the family and we did not AI. Hmm. Then, um, we came back and we took those four does again. We bred all four to hundred percent muley. And as we speak right now, I have eight 75, 25 fawns on the ground.
0: What do those things look like?
1: Um, blonde. They're, they bounce around and hop around. They look like mules. They got big ears. Um, they're pretty cool looking. Um, they seem like they're a bit more docile. That might just be because we have them closer to the house, closer to the barn. Yeah. We, we keep them separate from, from everything else. You know, I don't know exactly the truth, but, you know, I try to keep them on the same ground that they're always on versus, you know, running them around. You know throughout the farm and uh seems to be working so they're they're all in their little corner of the farm which is closer to the house and barn so that may or may not be why they're a bit more docile they're they're very friendly
0: gotcha um so do you i mean you have plans for continuing to kind of expand that program further or or just kind of maintain it or what do you what are you doing long term with that
1: we're not going to dump you know a crazy amount of money into it right now um we we shot we raised up one of the you know one of the other bucks um and you know we we sent him to the hunting ranch last year and um he's very good looking very 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 good looking uh, deer uh, so i think for now we're just going to kind of raise what we've got see what happens if my brother says, Hey, you know, let's, let's, you know, do one more round of, you know, we'll breed these does one more time to make some 75, 25s. If he wants to do that, I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, we'll, we'll breed them and, and uh, try to put some more on the ground. And then from there though, I don't know. I don't, you know, are we going to, are we going to try to breed into a, a, you know, a mule deer operation? I don't, you know, some folks say that there's a demand for mule deer here in the, in the East and in the estate setting, you know, the hunting ranch setting, but, uh, you know, I, I haven't had anybody call yet looking for a mule deer hunt. Um, but who knows, you know, I guess we'll see. Gotcha. It's a, it's a, for us, it's, it's a pet project.
0: Something so, you know. Something fun to explore some, another species and, and see what comes of it
1: yeah and you know i also think that well i don't know so i don't want to say but you know i don't really know that anybody else in new york has mule deer or mule deer crosses so Mm -hmm. um maybe we're the first or maybe we're the second i know there's not a lot of guys doing it uh or gals um but uh it's for us it's just a, you know it's fun
0: well, um, I think that's a good place to uh, to wrap up. Is there anything that you want to leave us with uh, today before we, we finish up? Give me some uh, words of wisdom for, for someone.
1: Words of wisdom for someone?
0: Sure. Uh, Maybe they can be for, for me. I could take some Dan, Dan words of wisdom today.
1: Uh, I've had, I don't know. I, don't I, know, I You know, the biggest thing that I've seen throughout the years is, you know, there's there's always the argument of you know who you should buy your deer from and what you should breed with and what you should do and this, that, or whatever. Uh, I really think that people need to make decisions for themselves. They need to breed deer that they're happy with looking at and what they're happy with seeing. Um, you know, breed, you know, don't do necessarily what I'm not saying don't do what other people tell you to do, but you know, make sure you're sticking to what you want to do. You know? um, Marketing is, is a tough gig. Um, A lot of, you know, some people are really, really good at marketing. Some people are not as good at marketing, but have really, really good deer too. Um, So that's, that's my only take on things is, is, you know, do what you want, make sure that you're happy with what you're doing. If, if you're unhappy with what you're doing, then try to make the changes. And if you're having, you know, health issues, you know, fix your health issue before you just start dumping money and buying a bunch more deer. Um, and I see a lot of people have gotten discouraged over the years and then they just throw their hands in the air and they're like, I'm not a deer farmer, I'm not doing this. And they sell off everything they did and they're, they're mad at the world and, and everything like that. And, and some of that could have been prevented. So I'd say, if words of wisdom or advice is, you know make sure you're having fun, breed deer for what you want, what you're trying to do, and uh, just try to keep them keep them as healthy as you can and, and they'll pay you back, right? That,
0: that, I, I like it. Um, Dan, I really appreciate you coming on and, and uh, getting to share some some stories and a little bit of our history. Um, hopefully you'll, you'll come back in the future and, and join us.
1: That was my first podcast. So uh, oh, cool. well
0: welcome to the podcasting world. You're gonna be famous. With that, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll wrap up. And as always, stay tuned for another episode of North American Deer Talk Ticket.